0: Good morning. Today is October the 18th, and I'm Wimala, and we'll read a little bit from a new book today and then sit together. Beautiful sunny day. Our weather's gotten colder. Uh, my son lives in Madison, and they had snow yesterday. It was all gone by last night, but he was up early taking little videos of it in the morning, so... Uh, He said it was really beautiful. So it's uh, fall. The squirrels are going crazy and the chipmunks just gobbling up food and burying everything and then digging up stuff all day long. So so it feels a little bit like a a little bit earlier than we usually have this. We certainly haven't had snow here and it would be early. So. Well, we might have a different uh, weather, a little bit of a change in the weather cycle here. So we finished our wonderful book by Sharon Salzberg. I haven't read the whole thing, just different it's a book of essays, but it's really uh, a great book. A heart as wide as the world. And then another a new book I got from my friend Allison in Las Vegas is Pema Chodron's I think it's her latest book and it's called how we live is how we die. And that's a, that's a theme that we've probably all heard before. And how do we actually let that penetrate us and really affect our lives? This, that would be great if this answers those questions. Uh, there's a Bhutanese saying, Contemplating death five times a day brings happiness. So reflections on death and life are important in the Buddhist practice. Just reflections on the fact that, you know, the the reflections are about we are born um, and that we eventually die. And just to remember that, we will lose everything we will end up dying. So, those are reflections that we need to remember. It can really help decide what's important and what do we want to hang on to, what's of lasting value. So, this book has, uh, uh, she has, there's a history of the Bardo teachings, and this is more uh, specifically from the Tibetan practice. And uh, other things, she has basic meditation, meditating with open awareness and Tonglen, which is also specifically Tibetan. But most of these things are uh, wonderful stories that, that can help us deal with How we live is how we die, how we can understand that and then live that. So why don't we start by reading her introduction. The first sentence in the book is, this is a book about fear of death. More accurately, this book presents a question How do we relate to the most fundamental of all fears, the fear of death? And we know death doesn't just come when we're old. We've we've seen too many people die early and unexpectedly or uh, die young and it doesn't seem fair. So... We've all had those experiences in our lives over and over. So, this is let's look at the introduction. The Buddha famously advised his students not to buy into everything he said without first checking it out for themselves. He wanted to promote firsthand experience, not dogma. Don't just take my word for it, he said. Examine my teachings. The way a goldsmith examines gold. I have to. Okay. For instance, the Buddha taught that focusing too much on our own self interest brings us pain and anxiety. And that extending our love and care towards others, even strangers or those who cause us trouble, brings us joy and peace. This is something we can verify through our own experience. We can experiment with this teaching. We can test it as many times as is necessary for us to be convinced. The teachings presented in this book, however, appear to be in another category. The Tibetan word bardo, which will frequently come up, commonly refers to the passage following our death and preceding our next life. But how can we verify from our own experience what happens after we die? How can we verify that there will be a next life? In these chapters, you will find descriptions of brightly colored lights, of deafening deafening sounds, of hungry ghosts, of peaceful and wrathful deities. How is it possible to examine such teachings the way a goldsmith examines gold. My intention is not to convince you to buy into the Tibetan worldview and to see such descriptions as the definitive truth about what happens after you die. To say anything is definitely like this or like that somehow misses the point. I feel it goes against the spirit of the Buddhist teachings At the same time, many discerning people alive today study the Bardo teachings and take them seriously. Not as an academic subject, but as a source of profound wisdom that enhances their lives. It may not be possible for us to confirm these traditional teachings based on our firsthand experience. But whether or not we believe in the Tibetan worldview, if we get to the essence of the Bardo teachings, they can benefit us not only after we die, but this year, this day, this moment. These teachings are based on an ancient Tibetan text called Bardo Tudrol, which was first translated into English as the Tibetan Book of the Dead but which literally means liberation through hearing in the immediate, intermediate, or in-between state. Bardo Tudrol is meant to be read to those who have passed away and entered this state. It describes the various experiences the dead person will go through and thus serves as a guide to help them navigate what is thought to be a disorienting journey from this life to the next life. The idea is that hearing the bardo-tudral will optimize one's chances for a peaceful death, a peaceful journey, and a favorable rebirth. In the best-case scenario, one will be liberated altogether from samsara, the painful cycle of birth and death. The term bardo is usually associated with the intermediate state between lives, but a broader translation of the word is simply transition or gap. The journey that takes place after our death is one such transition, but when we examine our experience closely, we will find that we are always in transition. During every moment of our lives, something is ending and something else is beginning. This is not an esoteric concept. When we pay attention, it becomes our unmistakable experience. The Tibetan Book of the Dead lists six bardos. The natural bardo of this life, the bardo of dreaming, the bardo of meditation, the bardo of dying, the bardo of dharmata, and the bardo of becoming. Right now, we are in the natural bardo of this life. As I will continue to emphasize throughout this book, the natural bardo of this life is where our work lies. By by coming to understand how this life is a bardo, a state of continual change, we will be ready to face any other bardos that may arise, however unfamiliar. The bardo of dying begins when we realize we're going to die and last until our final breath. This is followed by the bardo of dharmata, which means the true nature of phenomena. Finally, there is the bardo of becoming, during which we make the transition to our next life. In this book, I will talk about these three bardos in detail and also connect them to more familiar experiences that we go through during our lives. My aspiration for what follows is to write in such a way that you will find these teachings meaningful and helpful, whatever your beliefs. At the same time, I'd like to encourage you to lean your openness towards the, toward the less familiar aspects of these teachings. As my teacher ah, Zygar Khantrul that Rinpoche likes to say, I've always found that my greatest personal growth happens when my mind and heart are more curious than doubtful. My hope is that you will take a similar approach to reading this book. If we can learn to navigate the continual flow of transition in our present life, we will be prepared for our death and whatever may follow, no matter what worldview we subscribe to. My teachers, beginning with Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, have given me many instructions on how to do this. I have learned from experience that applying these bardo teachers has removed much of my fear and anxiety about death. But just as importantly, this training has made me feel more alive, open, and courageous in my day-to-day experiences of life. This is why I would like to pass these teachings and their benefits on to you. So, good introduction. She she's saying she's hoping this could uh, benefit anyone with any view. So no matter how different our views may be from the Tibetan view, I think Pema Chodron will address that in a more general way. And the first section is called how we with the book is called, how we live is how we die. The first chapter is called let's, let's read just the first chapter and see if we'd like to continue. The Wondrous Flow of Birth and Death, and I read the first two sentences. This is a book about fear of death. More accurately, this book presents a question. How do we relate to the most fundamental of all fears, the fear of death? Some people banish the thought of death from their minds and act as if they will live forever. Some tell themselves that life is the only thing that matters since death, in their view, equals nothingness. Some become obsessed with their health and safety and base their lives on staving off the unavoidable for as many years as possible. It is less common for people to open themselves fully to the inevitability of their death and any fear that may provoke and to live their lives accordingly. I have found that those who do open themselves in this way are more engaged in life and more appreciative of what they have. They are less caught up in their own dramas and have a more beneficial effect on other people and on the planet as a whole. These people include my teachers as well as the sages from all the world's spiritual traditions. But there are many ordinary people who neither deny nor obsess over death. However, instead, they live in harmony with the certain knowledge that they will one day depart from the world. A few years ago, I gave a weekend seminar on this topic at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. One of the participants admitted to me that when she first heard I was going to talk about death and dying, her reaction was, Bummer. By the end of the program, however, she was finding the subject matter to be life-changing. My hope in sharing these teachings is to help you become more familiar and at ease with death and more able to live in harmony with what previously scared you, more able to move from bummer to breakthrough. My second closely related aspiration is that opening to death will help you open to life. As I will repeat in the pages that follow, death is not just something that happens at the end of our life. Death happens every moment. We live in a wondrous flow of birth and death, birth and death. The end of one experience is is the beginning of the next experience, which quickly comes to its own end leading to a new beginning. It's like a river continuously flowing. Usually we resist this flow by trying to solidify our experience in one way or another. We try to find something, anything to hold on to. The instruction here is to relax and let go. The training here is to accustom ourselves to existing within this continuous flow This is the way to work with our fears about death and about life and allow them to melt away. This isn't a guarantee. You can't ask for your money back if it doesn't happen or if it takes longer than you would like. But I have been moving slowly in this direction and I think you can as well. And I'll read one more paragraph and then we'll sit. In the Mahayana tradition of Buddhism that I follow, it's customary to begin any study, practice or other positive activity by contemplating its greater purpose. We could reflect, for instance, on the benefit that making friends with the flow of birth and death might bring to our immediate surroundings Okay, We could reflect, for instance, on the benefit that making friends with the flow of birth and death might bring to our immediate surroundings, to the people in our lives, and even beyond. We could reflect on how our deepening relaxation with life and death could positively impact all that we encounter. As an illustration of how interconnected our world is, The chaos theorists say that a butterfly flapping its wings in the Amazon affects the weather in Europe. Just like that, our state of mind affects the world. We know how it affects the people around us. If you scowl at someone, they're more likely to scowl at another person. If you smile at them, it makes them feel good, and they're more likely to smile at others. Similarly, If you become more at ease with the transitory quality of life and the inevitability of death, that ease will be transmitted to others. Any positive energy we put toward ourselves or others creates an atmosphere of love and compassion that ripples out and out who knows how far. With this in mind, we could come to this exploration of death with our best self, the self that is sensitive to the fears and pains of our fellow beings and wants to help. To support this aspiration, we could dedicate this particular journey through the Bardo for the well being of at least one other person who's having difficulties. You could start by writing down a few names and add more as time goes on. In the end, you may find yourself with a list that is many pages long. I'm going to read two more, uh, just the rest of this chapter. Billions of people on this planet need care and support. We can wish that whatever progress we make will somehow give them a bit of the help they need. We may only be able to help a small number of people directly but everyone can be included in our aspirations. Establishing our motivation in this way is known as generating bodhicitta, the heart of compassion, or as her teacher calls it, the mindset of awakening. We educate ourselves in the Dharma, not only to help ourselves, but to help the world. So I like that. You might jot down some names of people that you think this if you make this exploration you could help them. You may know that they're struggling with illness or with the death of a loved one or with a bad prognosis for themselves. So whatever your beliefs, I think this topic how we live is how we die is a is a good one good to explore whatever we can glean from wisdom teachings. So let's sit now. We only have a little time, but we can get started. So if you have time when I have to leave, just continue to sit. And who knows, it might be your only chance today to sit, if you have a busy day. So let your body know by the way you turn, change your posture. If you've been slouching, you want to sit up. Or if you're on your back or still in bed or getting into bed, you want to stretch your body out and make sure your spine is straight, (coughs) straight for your body. And let your body know that you're going to be Meditating so your body can to know to stay awake. I really like to roll my shoulders back because I, I'm getting some back, back issues from being at the computer for a lot of time on my desk. Um, but roll your shoulders back. You can feel that that helps the spine to stay upright. Not uncomfortably so, but enough to let it support you and to kind of wake your body up. And then as you relax, let that spine support you. Just relax your body. If you want to close your eyes. Take a few deep breaths in and out. With each exhale, just relax a little more. Then return to your normal breath and just be aware of the body breathing. Just your normal breath. Let this just be a time to let your mind relax. Let your th- let your thoughts come and go, but there's no need to feed them with your attention. See them rise and then see them fall. We can always come back to catching our thoughts and chewing them over when we're finished meditating. Just like everything else that our senses are taking in, we can see the rise and the fall of everything. We hear a sound. We just try to be aware of the sound itself. If we have a reaction to it, just see how that feels in our body. So we can take in everything. If it's unpleasant to us, like an unpleasant smell, or a sound that's very uh, irritating, we can even let go of those judgments. Just be aware of sound, be aware of smell, be aware of taste. And be aware of the touch and sensations on your skin. Be aware of thinking. See if all these things just allow them to rise up. And if we don't begin thinking and developing viewpoints or critiques of everything coming our way, we can allow it to come and go. Just like our breath, if we try to hold on to our breath, Our body doesn't want us to do it. It pushes back. It wants the flow to continue. Just be with what is is happening. your palms be open and whatever, upright. If they're facing upwards or downwards, just let your palms be open so they're not tense and tight. Keep a smile on your face. Relax with the in, with the exhale. Let the shoulders drop. Let go of thoughts. Just let them go. See them rise, but then just let them go. Just come back to your breath. So as their time is up, if you can keep sitting, please just sit. Just enjoy peace of mind, enjoy the quiet tranquility. Just allow allow your body to sink into that tranquility. So may everything that we do and think and say today Be for our benefit and also be for the benefit of all living beings, all creatures. May peace be with you and may all of you be well and happy. So keep sitting if you can and I'll see you on Thursday.